Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Nasta'inahu wa nasta'fir. Ashadu wa la ilaha illallah wahduhu la sharikala. Lahu al-muk wa lahu al-ham. Wa huwa likudli shayin kadir. Wa ashadu anna muhammadan wa abduhu wa rasuluhu. We praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the merciful benefactor, the merciful redeemer. And we witness that only Allah is worthy of our praise, our devotion. And we bear witness that Prophet Muhammad is the messenger of Allah, the seal of the prophets, and the recipient of the final revelation to humanity, the Quran Kareem. The best of speech is the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and the best of character for emulation is Prophet Muhammad Whomever Allah guides, there is none that can lead them astray. And whomever Allah allows to stray, there is none who can guide but he. Today, I don't want you to feel that I'm being rude, but I need to have an internal conversation with myself. You are welcome to listen in. America is in critical condition, and I need to have an internal conversation with myself because any change I want to see outside of me must first start inside of me. There is a style of writing in the Quran where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala posits questions to us. And there are questions about times, events, and places, and people that we have never met, a time before we were even born. But he asks us a question in order to connect us to that reality and to remind us that we have access to that same resource, that same benefit, that same blessing, and those same warnings. And Allah asks us in the Quran, don't you remember? Allah says, don't you remember when I parted the sea and drowned Pharaoh and his people right within your sight? Don't you remember when I made you the inheritors in the earth? Don't you remember? Don't you remember when I took a covenant with you? Don't you remember? Allah keeps asking us to remember these things. And by doing this, he erases the time between those events and our time to let us know that those events are connected to us still today. Allah is saying, stop cutting yourself off from the warnings, the blessings, and the victories. Don't you remember? I take this personally. It's like Allah is saying to me, Imam Akil, don't you remember when they took you and your people from your land, cut you off from your people, separated you from your language, your culture, your history, your heritage? Don't you remember? Don't you remember being squeezed in between the decks on the slave ship, chained together? Don't you remember? Don't you remember slaving in the fields in America under the lash and whip of the overseer, praying and wishing for a day to be free again? Don't you remember? Don't you remember the body of Emmett Till swinging off the tree? Don't you remember marching through the streets of America for civil rights but not human rights? Don't you remember? 
Don't you remember the endless lives that have been taken of black men and women in America with no justice and no justification? Don't you remember? And remember, in the Quran, Allah says, never do I change the condition of a people until they change what is within their code and their heart. Never do I change the condition of a people until they change what is troubling their souls. I read this over and over again in my mind. What people? Lord, are you talking about red people, black people, white people? What people? Never do I change the condition of any people until they change what is troubling their cult, their heart. This Arabic word cult, it translates and it means heart, but it has additional meanings that are relevant to this internal conversation that I'm having today. Cult also means your center, your core. It's your rationale. It's the reason why you do what you do. It's like God is saying, as long as you are sweeping under the rug, as long as you are hiding in beautiful language, as long as you are putting cosmetics and decorating the injustice that you are meting out on people, never will I change your condition until you change what is troubling your soul. As long as you are placating people with flowery speech, your condition of social unrest and civil turmoil will never change because never does Allah change the condition of a people until they change what is troubling their souls. When we look through the pages of scripture, we find circumstances and situations that resemble what was happening with Prophet Musa salam in Egypt. I remember reading about when Musa went before Pharaoh and it's interesting that it says that it was referred to as a day well known. I call it a day of reckoning. Keep in mind that this meeting that Allah reveals to us through Prophet Muhammad wasalam, took place in public before all the people. This didn't take place as a backroom deal in some smoke-filled room with a secret handshake. And it says that Pharaoh called up all of his magicians. Now don't trip and don't get played on the language. A magician is one that by using magic or sleight of hand causes you to believe something is what it isn't. There's a new name for them today. Today we call them press secretaries, news anchor men, political spokespersons, magicians. And today they perform magic on your ears. They try and convince you that you didn't see and you didn't hear what just happened. So it says the magicians, they threw out their magic language and it says the onlookers said, Ooh, they were amazed. Wow, look at that. 
Look at this new program that they're going to roll out to the community. Look at this magic. Ooh, look at this new local income housing project. Look at this new swimming pool we're gonna put in for the people in the ghetto to swim in during the summer times. Look at this new ruling we're gonna put in place so you can get better jobs. The magicians through their magic. But Allah told Musa, who only had one stick, one rod, a heart, one truth, he told Moses, now you throw. And it said that the truth that Musa alayhi salam had swallowed up all of their deception. It was nullified. It was exposed. It was shown to be pure fiction. So the powerful truth was able to thwart all of the magician's acts and all of the magician's press releases and all of the magician's programs. The magicians ended up saying, now... <laughs> We believe in the God of Moses and Aaron. But look at the arrogance of Pharaoh. Look at what Pharaoh said. He said, you believe in the God of Moses before I gave you permission? SubhanAllah. This is the kind of arrogance that we see in society today. But I want to broaden this and ask you to visit with me in your mind as you listen to my internal conversation, I want you to imagine Musa alayhi salam standing at the seat of power, standing before this powerful government. You see, Pharaoh had a nickname. He was called Lord of Stakes. He was famous for impaling people on stakes that disagreed with him. That was a big reputation he had. So Pharaoh tried to use psychology on Moses. And so he began asking him questions. He said, didn't you kill a man? Here it go, here it go, here it go. Didn't you kill a man? Didn't you commit a crime? And you ran away. Pharaoh's trying to shame him. He's trying to weaken him. He's trying to shake his confidence. He's trying to minimize Pharaoh in the eyes of the people. Didn't you commit a crime? Didn't you kill a man and you had to run away? Today, when we seek to speak up for justice, it might sound something like this. If you get called to Congress, if you meet with the senators, if you meet with the legislators, if you meet with the chiefs of police and community leaders around you, it may sound like this. Didn't you used to be in a gang? <laughs> Didn't you used to have a drug problem? Weren't you in rehab at one time? Haven't you spent some time in jail? Aren't you unemployed? Don't you still live in the hood? Haven't you had an eviction or a bankruptcy? What are you doing standing in front of me asking for justice? I love what Allah gave Musa alayhi salam as a response to Moses. I'm going to use it if the occasion of arises, and I suggest you do the same. After Pharaoh got finished trying his psychological warfare on Moses, this is what Allah told him to tell Pharaoh. He said, yes, 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 all of that that you're saying, yes, yes, yes. But that was then, and this is now. 
standing before him was someone who was on a mission for justice. Allah says in the Quran, we will try your reported metal. Do you think you will get through the challenges? Do you think you will get through the battle, the circumstances you're in, without being tested and tried? Do you think that you're simply going to walk into the uh, uh, beautiful civil and community reality that you have seen in your mind without going through something? Allah says, we're going to see if you're going to be steadfast and stay on the straight path. We're going to see if you hold on to your principles or if you start to negotiate away from the Surat al-Mustaqim. We're going to see if you take a little grant money and come back to the hood and set up your little fiefdom and now you're cool. We're going to see if you can be bought off, if you can be intimidated. We're going to see if you're in it for the long haul. We're going to see if you got stamina for this race for freedom, justice, and equality. You will be tried. You will be tested. We want to see if you get a little something, something in your hand and you just start wilding out. We're going to see if your vision for human liberation and justice and all of the things that we're missing in the society today that have been taken away from and hidden and made inaccessible for black Americans. We're going to see if you're willing to go through something to get something. There will always be folks that like a good talk, but when it comes time to do the work, they ain't with it. You can find this in another scenario. I love reading scripture and looking at what Allah has made available to the human being. I don't know if you're still there listening to my conversation, but I love this. And the situation that I'm looking at that is contemporary is that Prophet Lot and his wife were herds people. And they were wandering. And then Allah gave him the commission and appointed him as a prophet. And he left the wandering Bedouin herdsman life and settled his family in the twin cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, there had to be some benefit to being the wife of a prophet. Maybe you got a little markdown at the 99 cent store. Maybe you got to go to the front of the line at Target or Target's. There had to be some little benefit, a little something, something you were getting because you were the wife of this prophet. But eventually, Allah sends the angels to tell Lot and his family it's time to move on because they were in a long line, a long movement for justice. They were in a long movement for establishing righteousness. And after they had fulfilled their commission to warn the people in Sodom and Gomorrah, Allah sent the angels and told him it was time to move on. And Allah says in the Quran, We saved Lot and his family except for the woman that was with him. Now I know you probably read, except his wife. 
But there's some nuances in the Arabic language that can enlighten you. You see, the word for wife, the word for that one that is compatible with you, that supports you, that is a twin to you, that is connected to you, is zawj. And so when you read the Quran, you see where zawj is used for the prophets and for righteous people. But if that person is simply a female who is associated with you, who kind of hangs around you, who is maybe reaping the benefit of being in your association, she's called an imra. It says, Gabarim means those who lag behind. It's saying we save Lot and his family, except for those who had gotten so connected to the benefits that they may be getting in the society that they became of those who lag behind. Gabarim doesn't just mean lag behind. It means to stop progressing, to stop moving. So when we get ready to move on the path of freedom, justice, and equality, don't be surprised if you come across some people who are members of the Gabarim that lag behind. So we move, dear people, toward the objective of defeating systemic racism, towards the objective of freedom for the human spirit. And keep in mind, as I am examining myself to make sure that I will not be a member of the Gabarim. I hope you're not feeling uneasy because I'm still talking to myself. I think the first time I heard about the coronavirus, the magicians, the news anchor man, said that it was in China and in Korea and we had nothing to worry about. And then I heard it was in Seattle, Washington and in New York. Then they said that the real group that was at risk was the elderly, and then babies started to contract it and die. I could just hear the brothers in the hood saying, man, I don't know what these white folks done did, but this coronavirus is kicking their behind. And then we got the statistics that said the group that was most adversely affected by the virus was black people. And it unearthed an, an, an old, swept under the rug, old problem of lack of good mental health and facilities in the inner cities. It revealed that there was a big difference between the housing and the health and it showed that racism was still there. Now fast forward to a black man who was handcuffed, laying on the ground with an officer's knee on his neck until he dies. Do you see the convergence? Allah is showing us you can't sweep this under the rug anymore, that black lives truly do matter. I saw something interesting. It said those people who say all lives matter, and they do, it's like you call the fire department because your house is on fire. And as they get ready to come, they say, who do you want us to come to? Do you want us to come to your house? They say, well, all the houses matter. Yeah, that's right, all the houses matter, but my house is on fire right now. So I believe that we need to look at, I need to look at 
the inequities in the society and see if I can be a part of the solution. Akulu kali hadha wa staghfirullah liwalikum. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen wa salatu wa salama ala qayru wa musaleen Muhammad al-Nabi Umi wa ala ali wa sabdi ajma'in. I don't know if you're still listening to my internal conversation, but I'm thinking now because everything starts with self, that if I want to see change in the broader community, I need to do some soul searching. I need to look inside of my house. When I say my house, I mean my Islamic centers, the masajids, the little study groups, my, the ummah. I need to look inside. I don't want to be a walking contradiction to what I'm trying to get in the outside community established because it's not on the inside. So I want to make sure that I'm doing what I'm saying. I want to try and remember the last time that I heard a khutbah out of a masjid that was telling people about Bilal ibn Rabah and it wasn't just a historical footnote on a special day and it came around once a year. I'm trying to remember the last time that I saw an African-American imam and a predominantly non-African-American masajid or Islamic center delivering a khutbah or giving a talk or something of substance and it wasn't just window dressing. I'm trying to remember the last time that I heard that there was an Islamic Sunday school or regular everyday school in the Islamic community where a part of the curriculum was educating the children about the contributions of black people and their contribution to the establishment in science and economics and education. And it wasn't just talking about what happened in Africa. We've had some great strides here in this country. We have brilliant minds here in this country. We don't have to go all the way back there. We can stand on our own laurels today. But are you teaching that to the children? So I'm trying to see if my religious house is in order. I'm trying to remember the last time there was a sustained move to be active in the inner cities, in the hood, let's just say it, among black folk. Now you know you can go, talking to Muslim community, talking to my brothers and sisters in the home. You know you can go into the hood, you can go into the inner cities, and you can go like you're some kind of savior, to be lying. You can go like you're trying to reach out to the unfortunate. Give them a little something, something. Or you can do what we find was approved by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and recorded in history, in the scripture. Again, I want to draw your attention, if you're still listening, to Prophet Musa alayhi salam. Moses, though chosen to be a prophet of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, was raised in the house of Pharaoh. Moses was educated in the system established by Pharaoh. But Moses wasn't sent just to give a message to Pharaoh. He was sent to lead his people out of captivity. 
to lead them out of the oppressive circumstances they were in. He was sent to get justice for them. But Moses had never labored under the lash of the overseer. Moses had never had to make brick in the hot sun. Moses had never been crowded into the small, confined living conditions in what they call the land of Gosha. He needed some help. Although these were his people, he had not shared in their experience, in their trials, in their suffering, in their pain. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him Aaron, Harun, his brother. Harun knew well and was acquainted with all of those horrific experiences under Pharaoh. And the two of them together were able to get the job done. So when you get ready to partner with or form alliances with your brothers in the African-American communities, look for that person. Look for those individuals that are knowledgeable of the events that have formed their environment. Look for those individuals that are articulate in describing to you what they have suffered and went through. Look for those individuals who are looking for the same thing that all humans want, which is an end to racial profiling, an end to social injustice, and an end to economic deprivation. Look for the Aaron, the Harun, so that you can be a benefit Insha'Allah. We don't really need saviors anymore. I remember it was in 1974 that I attended the Savior's Day Address in Chicago. And the Honorable Elijah Muhammad made a statement that is burnt into my memory. He told all of us gathered there not to look for any savior he said, because you have to become a self-savior. As I read the Quran, it even resonated more with me because when I came to the ayah where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, save yourself and your family from a fire whose fuel is men and stone. Allah is saying, don't look for somebody outside of your circumstances to come and save you. Save yourself. And I start to laugh to myself when I hear people say they want to walk in my shoes. Don't walk in my shoes. I need my shoes for walking. Walk in your own doggone shoes. What I would like for you to do is start respecting the commonality in all human beings that we got from Father Adam. What I would like for you to do is acknowledge the inequities and stop making excuses and apologizing. Don't be walking in my shoes. I need my shoes. Walk in your own shoes. And accept the responsibility for the privileges that you have had and that you have deprived others of. I want to acknowledge that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is always in control. I want to acknowledge that there are no circumstances that Allah places the human being in that we have not been equipped to deal with. I want to remind myself and perhaps remind you 
that the job before us is not too big. I want to remind the black man and the black woman, you were born for this. We were created for this very moment in history. Allah has been ushering us through our genes and chromosomes, through your great-great-grandparents and your grandparents and your parents. He has been ushering us toward these days so that we could answer the cry that was cried out by them in the fields, Lord, when will come the help? I want to remind you and remind myself that the need to bring justice to ourselves is already within our grasp. We have black men and black women with PhDs, if that's what you're looking for. We have droves of black men and black women with MBAs, if that's what you're looking for. We have black people in the fields of science, teachers, lawyers, judges, politicians, businessmen and women, bankers, bakers, educators. We have every tool in every profession to get the job done. It's our lack of unity and structuring ourselves into so, some kind of coherent form that has been lacking. But Allah says, never do I change the condition of a people until they change what is in themselves, until they restructure themselves, until they sit down and decide that they're going to have a constructive process that is uh, uh, laid out systematically of how to reform, reform the system from the inside out. I like going back and forth to the Quran and something just came to my mind. It is about Mary, the mother of Jesus. May Allah's peace and blessings be upon uh, Esau ibn Miriam. And it says that when the angel came to her, he told her she was supposed to have a child. And she told him, how can I have a child and no one has touched me? He used a statement there that I want to draw my attention to, and if you're still listening, yours. He told her, kadhaliki. Kadhaliki means it is ordained. Kadhaliki means it's already done. Kadhaliki means you have what you need to do what you're being told to do. So now I'm saying to my brothers and sisters in the inner cities, in the hood, in the upper west side, in the east side, wherever you are, as you look at the problems among the people, as you look at what lies before us, kadhaliki. You got what you need. Start where you are with what you have. Don't think the challenge is too great. In Surah 3, Ayat 104, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, And from among you there should be those that invite the good and join the right and forbid the wrong, and these are they that will attain the felicity. In that regard, and based on that, I want to tell our brothers and sisters, the Muslims are with you. Allah says in the Quran, Say a word directed to the right, and a word that is designed to reach their very souls. So as you speak truth to power and articulate your concerns that are also our concerns, I want to tell my black brothers and sisters, we the Muslims, we with you. In regard to what Allah says in the Quran where he says, whoever helps in a good deed has a reward like it. So in that regard, I want to tell my black brothers and sisters, the Muslims, we got your back. We are all for just causes. We are with you 
as you look for the right way to resolve the inequity that we're all facing. We are with you. Now you see why I had to start with me. Because like a drop of rain, once I have gotten myself together, I can join with other drops of rain that have gotten themselves together. And then we begin to form this pool of clean, clear water. Then other drops can unite until we begin to move and become a stream. Moving through the community, washing and purifying the justice system, moving through the community, washing and purifying the academic system, moving through society, correcting the inequities in housing, in employment, and the political system. Can you see it? Moving state to state across the nation until this body of water, peaceful, clear, clean water comes to rest as an ocean of peace and justice. But it started as an internal conversation. We pray for the souls of the faithfully departed that Allah will grant them a peaceful rest in Jannah. We pray for the sick, the dying, and the destitute. He will ease their suffering and ease their pains. We pray for the family of George Floyd. And we say, inna lillahi wa inna alayhi rajaun. You may disagree, but let me break it down for you. Every soul belongs to Allah, and every soul returns to Allah. We ask special blessings on Prophet Muhammad وسلم, on his companions, his family, and all of the prophets. We ask Allah to forgive us of our sins and shortcomings and bless us to forgive ourselves and each other. Ameen.